We ask that you would be magnified in our lives today. We set our hearts and our minds on you in the midst of an uncertain world in which we live. With the fears that are swirling all around us, we look to you as our source of help, our source of strength, our source of protection. In times of trouble, Lord, you are that safe place, and we come to you this morning. We declare that you are King, you are Lord. Rule in our lives. Lord, bring us peace. Bring us joy. And as we come to your word now, guide us into the truth that ultimately you would be glorified and magnified in our lives as we apply this truth to our life today. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, please be seated. It is a strange time in which we live. Uh, I, even to put up those sign on the window, I felt kind of awkward because I don't want any barrier at New Life to anyone coming in here and hearing about Jesus. Zero. The changes we've made since I've been here in November of last year uh, are all with the purpose that people could come and move up and out in New Life in Jesus Christ. We're going to remove every barrier. So if you come here with a baby, guess what? we got a nursery. Uh, you come here with kids, guess what? we got an awesome kids ministry downstairs. You know, you come here as a senior, great, come here as a senior. we got seating just for you at the back there with arms even you can sit on. I mean, we don't want to have any barrier to someone coming to experience Jesus Christ. And so it's with grief in my heart that I put up that sign, but understand this is the world in which we live. But Christ and God is our source of help, and we don't have to respond with just this paranoia or fear. We know whose we are. We know what we have in Jesus. We, we don't have to have this fear. Now, this is freaky, right? Because what happens is this virus doesn't seem to be, um, it's indiscriminate. Multi-million dollar basketball players are getting this virus. World leaders are getting this virus. <laughs> and everyone in between, poor, wealthy, all over the world. And yet in the midst of that, can we look to God and find hope and strengthen him, I believe we can. Now, that's not the purpose of this message, understand. We're, we're talking about who is Jesus this morning. And we've been journeying with John the Apostle, the first century eyewitness and close companion of Jesus, and he's introducing us to Jesus. The problem is each of us perhaps have been informed about Jesus in other places, by other means, by TV shows, by books that we've read, and we want to come to the first century, to the Holy Scripture that says, who is Jesus? And John says, let me introduce you to Jesus. John is using this method that, you know, you maybe have done back in school called the montage. Do you remember montage? You, you found that magazine and you cut out pictures of the magazine. And then you pasted them onto a sheet. And then those, those pictures all made one big picture. You know, I remember the first time I, I made a collage. I was like, you're actually allowed to cut pictures out of a magazine? I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is so much fun, you know, because in my house, you didn't cut, you know, you cut magazines. But at the school, I got to do this. And, but John here is, is putting all these different pictures onto a page. And actually, at the end, what you get is this one unified picture of Jesus Christ. And in John's gospel, there's seven signs. There's seven I am statements. There's all sorts of different things that tie in to paint a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ. And John says, this is who Jesus is. And his hope is, 
And my hope is today, and the hope of New Life Community Church, is that if you see the picture of Jesus Christ, you'll respond as John invites you to respond by, by faith, by believing in him, by receiving him, by coming to him, by following him. He uses all these different terms. It's not enough just to look at Jesus. You need to respond to the truth about Jesus. And so there's several statements about Jesus that come out of John's gospel. We're in John 10 today. But John 9 is the kind of the prelude to John 10. John 9 is one of my favorite chapters in the Gospel of John. And, and now with all this time, some of you are going to be home and working from home. You, know, you can read God, John 9 this week and kind of get a background for, for John 10. But John 9, Jesus heals this man who's been born blind, right? And the, of course, the question is, the disciples are like, Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? Like, was it his sin in the womb? Was it his parents' sin? I mean, they had these weird ideas about sin and and Jesus is like, this, no one sinned. This, this was done so that God's glory could be shown in this guy's life. And so Jesus spits in some mud. Not a good idea if you've got coronavirus. But he, he spits in the mud, rubs it on the guy's eyes, and he says, tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The guy goes down. The pool of Siloam, again, was down at the bottom of, of the wall of Jerusalem. You had to just descend multiple staircases to get down there. So he's, imagine him crawling down all these stairs, finding the pool, washing his eyes, and all of a sudden, for the first time, being able to see. He has no idea who touched his eyes. He just finds himself at the pool, and he's seeing. And he comes back, and everyone's like, hey, that's the guy. Is that, is that the guy? It sure looks like the guy. Is that really the guy? You know, like, he can't believe it. This guy's been a beggar his whole life. Suddenly, he's walking around, and he's like, well, what happened? Well, you know, I, 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 I was blind, but now I can see, you know. And, they're, and they're, you know, there's this, you know, but the Pharisees are confused about this because they're like, well, this is the Sabbath. What's this guy doing healing on the Sabbath? How could this be a man from God if he's healing on the Sabbath? So it becomes this interchange between this man that was born blind and the pharisees and they, they bring his parents in and they're like well hey what, what do you what, you know what, what what can you tell us about the, about your son well we can tell you he was born blind but after that you better ask him yourself we have no idea what and then john puts this parenthetical, parenthetical comment they were afraid of the pharisees because anyone who followed jesus they were going to kick out of the synagogue and so they're afraid and then there's this interaction it's a lovely interaction the guy gets called in front of them before and he's like what happened you know give glory to god he's like all i can tell you is i was blind but now I can see. And certainly anyone that can do that must be from God. And they don't like that. And there's, you know, they eventually kick him out of the synagogue. And Jesus meets him at the very end. And it's like, hey, um, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man replied, am I? And who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? And Jesus told him, you've seen him. He's the one speaking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And so guess what happens? At the beginning, he gets physical sight. At the end of chapter 9, he gets spiritual sight. And he's following Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. And then all these religious people are stuck in the darkness. They see Jesus, but they don't see The reality is, is that you probably work with people like this. You might have some relatives in your home gatherings that know about Jesus, but they don't see Jesus. And John writes this gospel to, to take you from just looking at Jesus to actually believing and receiving him and following him. He is the light of the world. And this man walking in physical darkness not only leaves physical darkness, but he also leaves spiritual darkness to encounter Jesus Christ. And so right on the heel of this whole ep episode and in, in John chapter 9, is this teaching in John 10 of Jesus being the good shepherd? I'm not sure if those slides are on there, Isaiah. Are they? Yeah, there we go. Okay. I am the door, and I am the good shepherd. He'll, he'll introduce himself in two ways, and he's going to use this imagery, this figurative language to describe himself. 
and, and he, he kind of paints this story, and you, and you have to sort of, you know, try to work your way into the story to understand. But here is the story, John chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. He says, I tell you the solemn truth. The one who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens the door for him and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own sheep out, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger but will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Interesting story. Now, if you've never raised sheep, never been acquainted with, the, you know, kind of that type of, of, of life, it, it's, it is a strange story for us here in, in Lloydminster in Canada. We don't have this kind of environment. If you've ever traveled in Ireland, you might understand a little bit about this, but if you've been to the Middle East, you'll understand even more. The idea is, is that the sheep are kept in, inside this safe and secure pen, and life for the sheep is experienced at its fullest in the safety of the pen and under the direction of the shepherd. That is life at its fullest for a sheep. When you have the security of the pen and when you have the direction of the shepherd. Without those two things, life can be a bit haphazard, dangerous, and even deadly for a sheep. You need the pen and you need the shepherd. It's what you would call the good life. And what Jesus is introducing to the fact is that some people want the good life without the shepherd. They want to experience the good aspects of life without Jesus, essentially is what we're going to find out as we work through the passage here. I mean, many, everyone wants the good life. Everyone wants to experience the full life. We spend millions of dollars as a, as a society trying to have the good life. We spend countless hours pursuing the good life. And those people that want the good life without Jesus have to kind of get into it from, from an illegitimate way. they got to crawl over the fence, and, and this is not a, an appropriate way to get into the sheep pen. There's one way in, and there's one way out, and you got to go through the, the shepherd, and, and the shepherd will lead you out into experiencing the good life. And that's what Jesus is going to get to here. But the people don't seem to understand what, what he's talking about. You'll see that there in... Oh, sorry, it, it, Sorry, the sheep following, but there we go. Jesus told them this parable, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They didn't get it. Now go back to one slide, please, Isaiah. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. If you acquainted with ranching culture, which is more the Lloydminster reality, uh, oftentimes you put your cattle out on a pasture. And, uh, a good rancher will visit her or his cattle during the summer and bring mineral and maybe grain. They just kind of keep them acquainted with them. They'll talk to them. They'll sometimes call them in, maybe even honk the horn. Meep, meep, meep. And, and they get used to that sound of the voice. And, and so you call out and they'll come. And sometimes you have multiple herds together, but your, 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 your livestock will separate from the herd because they recognize your voice. They hear the sound of that horn. They know that there's grain or mineral or something coming with, those, with that voice. You know, I remember driving through the field with my kids, and Grandpa was calling the cows. And then, the, you know, the kids put the windows down. Eh? And those squeaky little three-year-old voice, they started calling the cows. Come back! You know, and the cow kind of puts her head up and just looks at him like, 
you know, who, who are you? You know, <laughs> it wasn't Grandpa's booming, you know, come boss. You know, it was just this little squeaky, you know. But, you know, so the sheep recognized the voice of the shepherd. They're like, this is the guy. He's the one that leads us. She's the one that leads us to the waters, to the green grass. They're the one that beats away the wolves and the bears. I mean, this is life right there, following the shepherd. But some people want to have the good life without the shepherd, the illegitimate life. And that's what this whole passage is talking about. People are trying to squeeze into life without doing it God's way. My father tells a story of his child. They were fairly poor farmers. Parents didn't give him money ever like we do to our children. So, you know, you kind of were on your own. I mean, the treat for him was eating rhubarb. Woohoo! You know, <laughs> and his neighbors got to dip it in sugar, but he never had sugar to dip it in. It was this <laughs> green, <laughs> sour rhubarb, you know. Woohoo! You know, sour candies are popular now. Back then, that was it, you know. <laughs> you know, and, and so they would walk by the store in Egremont, and the big store owner would, would had a back room where he stored the excess groceries and and there was a window there and in the hot weather he would prop that window open with a pop bottle a full pop bottle the boys used to walk by that pop bottle and, and just dream about what it'd be like to drink that pop finally one day they decided they're gonna they're gonna have that pop and so one guy went around the front, made sure that, you know, Mr. Basileski or whatever his name was, was, was busy. And the other guy went around back and grabbed that pop bottle. And then they just beelined it for the nearest bush, you know, about a you know, eighth of a mile away. You know, just fall out, flat out running, which, of course, when you're holding a pop bottle, you know what happens, right? You know, so they're just shaking up this pop and they're running. They hide in the bush. They're looking around, you know. Surely someone saw them, you know. And there's, you know, and there's no satellites back then. But, you know, they're wondering, you know, someone watching us, you know. And, and then they're like, okay, how are we going to open this thing, you know? And so they find a rock and they're trying to, you know, you know, it's just, it's, and finally they get it open. And then, they're, you know, there's four of them and they're, you know, they're looking at each other. And they, you know, well, let's drink it, you know. And, of course, you've got to be careful because the, you know, when they br broke it off, it kind of, you know, chipped the, the glass a bit, and, they're, they're, and, they're, and then, the, you know, it's, it's pouring over, and they're, they're trying to drink it in this warm pop, and they're just like, you know, my dad said, you know, it just didn't taste good at all. <laughs> there was nothing refreshing about that pop. Had they gone in the front door and paid the storekeeper, and taken one out of the cooler. And he would have opened it from the counter for them. And had they drank that, oh, that would have been good. But they went in the back door. They took it illegitimately. And while they wanted to experience the good life in that moment, it wasn't good. It was, it was just warm, fizzy pop with a guilty conscience. <laughs> and this is, the, this is life. We want life. We want to experience life. God made us for life. And, and we, and, but without Jesus, we, we try to find it, and we're, and we're sipping warm, you know, fizzy pop that isn't satisfying us. And we're like, how come life isn't satisfying? Because we're missing the point of access, and we're missing the leader into life. And that is Jesus Christ. He's like, look, the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. And Jesus is like, I am the author and the creator of life. Follow me, and you will have life. But they don't get it. They're not tracking with him. It's kind of like, you know, like, you know, 10,000 feet and 5,000 feet. You know, they're flying at different altitudes. And so Jesus is like, let me bring it down to your altitude for you. And so we're going to bump ahead to, to verse, uh, verse 7 there. So Jesus said to them again, I tell you the solemn truth. 
I am the door for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. I am the access point to life. Anyone else who claims to offer you life is lying to you. They're thieves and they're robbers. They're looking to, to, to just take advantage of you. Don't listen to them. And he says again in verse 9, he continues, oh, sorry. And then uh, he says there in verse, verse uh, 9 and 10, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. He will come in, go out, and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. One of my favorite verses. It totally fits in with New Life Community Church. <laughs> I have come that they may have life. He's like, look, you enter into this door, and the result is that you can be saved, you come in, you go out, you find pasture, but the, the alternative is this. You can follow the thief. And his intent is this, to steal, to kill, that word can also be translated slaughter and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And what Jesus is saying here, he's saying there is one way to have life to the fullest, and that's him. Every other offer of life will only lead you to steal, kill, and destroy. Some have suggested that this virus is somehow God's judgment. It's not God's judgment. Understand that. God is not trying to decrease surplus population. That's an evolutionary idea brought into Christianity. Just purge that from your mind. We live in a sinful world. We live in a world where people get cancer, where children die in labor, where, where accidents happen, tragedies occur, natural disasters. This is a world out of sync with its creator. That's what it is, what we live in. And there's all sorts of bad things that go on every day. God is not saying there's too many people, let's get rid of them. God wants to populate heaven, but that's not the way he's going to do it. He does it through faith in Jesus Christ and through churches and local ministries that do the work of sharing the gospel. That's what he's about. So understand this. But the enemy will do anything to keep people away from Jesus. And counterfeit offers of life are one of his best ways to do that. For you to, to follow a decoy and, and to think that that's the real thing. For you to embrace an idol and, and, and make that the center of your life. But the enemy loves that because he's stealing, he's killing, and he's slaughtering, and he's destroying your life and keeping you away from the good shepherd, from the door. And Jesus says, I've come here that you might have this life. Not just physical, biological life, but experiential, relational Life that overflows in abundance. It's, it's just this incredible life. The life that you've always dreamed of. This is what I've come to give you. Life to the full. I am the door for the sheep. So here, here's the sheepfold. You know, it's, it's round and there's one gateway there. There's just one way in and one way out. The shepherd puts this sheep in there. He watches them. He lets them out. You know, this is the safe place. It's the secure place. And Jesus says, I am prepared to offer you this if you follow me, if you believe in me. Come and enter into life with Jesus.
this coronavirus has gotten a ton of press. And it's horrific. It is awful. I'm, I'm not trying to undermine that. But do you understand? I'm just going to spiritualize it for a moment. Do you understand that the majority of people that live in our city are, are un under a virus of sin? That they're dying and entering a Christless eternity? Do you understand that? Do you understand that, that in Quebec, less than you know, half of 1% of people actually have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you understand that? That's in our country. Do you understand that, that across North America, there are millions of people that, that, that just don't even know that, that there's an offer of life waiting for them. They're just confused. They have other ideas about Jesus. Do you understand that coronavirus is not the worst virus in the world? The worst virus in the world is, is to, have, to think that you have life when you don't. We need to get serious about the spiritual reality that we live in, people. We take all these precautions because of coronavirus, which we should. But what about the reality of sin that, that surrounds us? Like the, sin, the virus of sin will steal, will kill, and will destroy you. And Jesus says, I've come as the antidote to that. Here it is. Enter into life. Experience life with me. And he continues there in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not a shepherd does not, who does not own sheep sees the wolf coming and abandons the sheep and runs away. So the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. Because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep, he runs away. He's like, look, I'm different than that. I own the sheep. I love the sheep. I look after the sheep. I am not the hireling. I'm going to not let you go. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to be there when crisis and difficulty comes. And John's readers were probably encountering some persecution in the first century. They're probably Roman emperors that are trying to put the squeeze on Christians. And, and John says, look, just remember, Jesus says, I'm not leaving you in that. I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to carry you through that. I'm going to help you. I don't abandon you. I'm not that kind. I'm, I'm the good shepherd, the beautiful shepherd, the lovely shepherd. The shepherd that cares, that's, that's kind, that's, that's concerned. I am the good shepherd. And then go, see. Oh, no, 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 go back, sorry. Isaiah, there we go. The problem with this passage, which one journal says, is this is one of the most difficult passages or troublesome passages to interpret in the Gospel of John, is you've got the Jesus saying, I'm the door, and then Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. So it's like, are you the door or are you the good shepherd, Jesus? And Jesus says, Yes. I am the door, and I'm the good shepherd at the same time. Apparently, the shepherd would sleep in the doorway. You want to get at his sheep? You've got to go through the shepherd. There's one way in, one way out. Except, you know, the thief and the robber tries to get over. But Jesus is like, I'm here to protect you. I'm here to provide for you. I'm here to lead you out into life. I am the good shepherd and I'm the door. Together, I am looking out for you. I am a reliable leader that you can trust in. I am the access point to life, and I'm also your leader for your life, the trustworthy leader, the good shepherd. And then he continues that kind of theme here in verses 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not come from the sheepfold. I must bring them too. So that they will listen to my voice and so there will be one flock and one shepherd. He's like, look, I've got this goal to bring into one big, big flock together. One flock 
one shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, understand this. Like in the ancient Near Eastern culture, it would not be a good thing for the shepherd to die because then the sheep would die, right? But in this case, Jesus dies and brings life to the sheep. He rises again, and now we're following the, the risen shepherd, and, and, and we can trust him. We can follow him. He's willing to, to, to lay down his life, but he knows us. He says at the very beginning, I know my sheep. My sheep know me. And this is the next picture here we have on the slide here. This old guy carrying the sheep. I love this picture. It's almost like you can, you can feel the, the weight of that sheep, but Jesus is like, yeah, I'm willing to carry you. The offer of life that Jesus brings to us is the relationship with him. And that's all you need. If you happen to lose your health, but still have Jesus, you still have life. If you happen to have to reduce the size of your house and get rid of a car and some toys, you still have life. If things happen and you have to relocate or whatever else, and you think, man, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I dreamed of this being my life. You, you have Jesus. You still have life. He's carrying you. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. You're not this isolated number. And, you know, J- Jesus actually knows you and wants to know you and wants to carry you and wants to be your shepherd. So much so he's willing to lay down his own life for the sheep. He is a a shepherd worth following. And then he ends the passage there in verse 17 to 18. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it back again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down on my own free will. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it back again. This commandment I received from my Father. He's like, I'm not being forced to do this. I want to do this. I want to be your shepherd. And here it is. The last picture there. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John is pointing us ahead to the end of his gospel where Jesus Christ will hang on a cross. We're heading that way now in our Easter season. We're going to celebrate Jesus' death on the cross. If he's celebrating death, yeah, we're celebrating that a price was paid for our salvation. We commemorate Good Friday as a day of solemn worship of the price that was paid death for us to have life. The good shepherd lays down his life the sheep. I am the good shepherd. So the question is, you you are living a life today. Some life. That life is a life that someone else has led you into, or maybe God has led you into, but Jesus says, you know, if you want to have life, life starts with me. It begins and ends with me. If you don't have me, you don't have life. And the kind of life that I give you is, is myself. I'm offering myself so you can have life. And so in, in the final slide, we just kind of get, get it all kind of summarized here together. Jesus is the access point to life. I am the door. Jesus is the trustworthy leader for life. I am the good shepherd. And he offers himself to us as you want to enter into life, you need to go through me. You want to experience life day by day, you need to follow me. I want to lead you. Trust me to lead you. And that's the relationship between a a shepherd and and the sheep is a one of trust. He takes them on this narrow little pathway up the side of the mountain, and they're like, I don't know where we're going, but hopefully, and then he gets to the top, oh, there's a nice green meadow. He leads through that dark valley, and you're wondering, oh boy, but he's he's got his rod and his staff. He's ready to take on anything. But then on the other side, there it is, the, the, the pool of water. 
And God is leading some of you through difficult times, through shadowy seasons, through times of pain and difficulty and even potential loss. But he still promises to be the access point to life and the the trustworthy leader in your life. Don't give up on Jesus when things get tough. Jesus is still there, and he, he knows what tough times are like. He went through them himself. And he's able to guide us through our difficult, confusing, hard seasons of life. And we now, as the people of God, the sheep of his pasture, invite others to come and to join this sheepfold. That's what new life exists for, to move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. And that comes by entering through the door and following the good shepherd. Like I said, the greatest virus that affects our world is not the coronavirus, it's not HIV, it's sin. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full, abundantly, overflowing, brimming life. And so we go into the door and we go up to the pop machine and we take the cold pop and, and we open it legitimately and we enjoy it with the, with the shepherd because he wants us to experience life. And he says, here I am. And guess what? He does It's free. I'm giving it to you for free. In fact, I'm paying for you to have this life. Just follow me. Believe in me. Trust in me. And, and John's like, who else does this for you? And then, of course, he's writing to some, some of these Jewish people that, that, you know, were struggling to leave the synagogue and not sure about their, their traditional past. And some of you have that struggle. You're like, well, I grew up this. I, I went to this. I did this. Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and Jesus is like, let me just cut through all that. This is about me and you. It's not about what certificate you got when you were three or 12 or whatever or, or where you went or how many verses you memorized, how many stones you got on a, on a vest. This is not about that. This is about you and Jesus. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Do you have this life? If you wake up and, you, and you're just like, oh, another day. Maybe you haven't, maybe you're out of sync with the shepherd. And part of your morning routine is to say, shepherd, guide me today. Lead me to the place of, of refreshing water. Lead me to the green grass. Lead me, to, lead me through the, this shadowy valley. Help me, shepherd. I, I'm trusting you. I want to have this full life, and I know it comes only through you. Even death can't take this life away from us. Understand that. Death is actually a promotion into this life, <laughs> to the fullness of this life. Christians view death so much differently. In the Black Plague went through Europe. It was the Christians that were picking up people out of the streets, taking them into their homes, and caring for them. I mean, people were kicking their own kin out of their house. Oh, Uncle Jim's got a cough. Boop, you know, <laughs> we don't want you in here. You're going to infect everyone. And, and the Christians are picking Uncle Jim up, taking him into their home, and they're getting sick and dying because Uncle Jim's... But, but they're like, this is what Jesus would have us to do. Hmm. I wonder if there's a message for us in that. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Jesus offers us access and continual enjoyment as we follow him as the trustworthy leader in our life. If you want to increase the quality of your life, pursue Jesus with greater desire and affection. And you will begin to have that overflowing, abundant life, despite whatever your circumstances are. Life is found in Jesus. He's like, I got this secure, safe pen here, and I will lead you to the water, to the grass. I'll take care of everything for you. Just Trust me. Would you trust Jesus today? Would you pray with me, team, going to come up and lead us in?
closing song. If you're in a place in your life today where you've never received Jesus Christ or believed in him, the message that the word of God has for you today and that I offer to you is to believe in Jesus Christ. Receive him. Become a part of his fold. Trust in him as your savior today. You can just say a prayer in your heart. Just, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I understand that Jesus died for my sins. I receive him as my savior. I believe in him. He is the son of God who died and rose again. And I want to have the life that he promises here in John 10. An overflowing, abundant life. And that comes through entering the door, which he is. And I enter that door today. You can do that. And for those believers out there that maybe have been wandering away from the shepherd, I would encourage you today to return to Jesus Christ as the shepherd and overseer of your soul. To say, you know, the life that I've been pursuing has not been the life you want me to pursue. And I, I'm getting back to that life, Jesus, today. Would you just help me? I want to just come and find the safety and security of your sheep pen, and I want you to lead me in every day, every step I take. That's the life that Jesus wants for you. It's a relational life. It's a connected life with Jesus. Moving up and out a new life in Jesus Christ. If you need to rededicate your life, I encourage you to do that today. And for all of us, as we live in a, in a, a time of fear and, and sometimes even panic, we turn away from that because of Jesus, and we say, no, there is a door and there is a good shepherd, and he will lead me and my church and my family and my community through this time. I trust in him. I choose faith over fear. I count on him alone. He is my leader, my good shepherd. And so, Lord, we give you the glory. King Jesus, you are worthy of praise. There is no leader like you. You are the good shepherd who who died for our sins. You took away the one virus that threatens to kill all of us when you died on the cross and when you rose again. And through faith in you, we proclaim that we are free from that penalty, free from that punishment, and we can walk in life, overflowing, abundant, brimming over the top life. Lord, give us that life. I pray for some going through difficult times today, they would just experience your life, even in their suffering, even in their pain, even in their loss, Lord, that they would just know, no, Jesus is all I need. He gives me everything I need. And so I pray that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and close.